we're going to talk about that there is a corresponding action to your faith. There's a corresponding action to your faith. I know we talked and you see in the Bible a lot about prophetic movements that bring forth miracles. But in in your life every day, you don't have such things. You know, it wouldn't be there wouldn't be much to faith if every time you stepped out to uh, obey God and do something, something miraculous happened. Now, you can walk in that and and I've done it, but it seems only lasts for a season. You know, it it comes and it lifts. And and I think sometimes it's a uh, overflow of anointing and, and obedience to God in certain things. I know it has been in my life. Uh, people who aren't ministers can walk in a grace in God, I believe, from season to season. There is such a thing as a gift of faith, which will rest on your words only for a season because it has such um, miraculous power on it. It's extremely powerful. And, and that will happen from time to time. <clears throat> but in general, you don't want everything that you say to come to pass. Now, I want the grown folks to... to you know what I'm saying. Let the babies go to sleep, but you grown folks, I want y'all to be listening. But but it, it is a wonderful thing when that gift of faith is in operation. You can see how uh, strongly God wants to bless us and how much he wants to do things that, that he says he's going to do. But then you see the mercy of God also in pulling that back in certain ways. And so, but faith has always a corresponding action to make it alive. Without works, faith is dead, being alone. So I'm going to read that to you from the book of James, and that's where we get started. In James chapter 2, in verse 14, it says, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? So here is the big question, the Christian dilemma. In all of our talking, how much of it? It's followed up by a corresponding action so that what we're talking about can come to pass. We all say we want things that God promises in the Bible. But if it's never followed up with a corresponding action, then we don't really want it. Or we're ignorant to the fact that the Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of your heart saying, okay, you want that? Do this. Because that's pretty much how it works. Because there is a follow-up to your faith that's an action that makes your faith alive. People like to talk. Huh? When I was a a young girl growing up, and they've been that long ago, so y'all stop it. (laughs) Always somebody in the crowd trying to dip in your business. But uh, when you're a teenager, people as as teenagers, you know, you don't have a lot of wisdom and you don't have a lot of knowledge. You don't have a lot of common sense when you're a teenager. But you got a lot of hopes, wishes, desires, and a lot of mouth to go along with it. And so I had to realize as a young girl that every boy that told me he liked me, I'm just going to rest here because y'all have woke up now. See, I know how to get you. Don't it work every time, Pastor Shirley? It works every time. They say, oh, she's talking about, she talking about something. Yeah, right. 
But you know, all the baby, 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 and me and you, and what we gonna do, and you know, was only a prelude to something illicit, illegal, immoral, and would wreck your life. So I learned that most of what people do is talk to see if they can get somebody to believe for them what they want. I'm going to say it again. Most of what we do is talk to try and see if we can convince somebody else to believe for us something we want. This happened in the church a lot. You know, people believe it for the wealth transfer. So if as a preacher I can get you to believe that there's going to be this great transfer of wealth to you if you give to me. See, I got my money and you still waiting on yours. And I can tell you it's coming. Huh? So a lot of talk is done to convince the hearer to believe my words so that you can act and do something to help my life. Uh Same thing boys do with girls and girls do with boys. We got some girls out here who are big talkers. Scared. Y'all scared to clap, huh? Well, you know, I got my own job. I got my own apartment. I got my own. Hey, we got a prayer about girls like that. Huh? Huh? Only let me be called by your name so I can take away my reproach. Put a ring on it. Huh? leave you high and dry you you ain't never had domestic violence till a woman jump on a man man that's that's a horrible that's a horrible something to see because women when they fight if they really want to win they come at you like the Tasmanian devil you know you think, where did that come from? And see, now you got a ring on it. And if you don't have a ring on it, you ain't got no business with it in your house and in your bed. So now we got the real talk out of the way. Praise the Lord. <laughs> But it says here in the word, what does it profit you if you say you have faith and have not works? Can faith save somebody if they don't have works? There are many people who believe in Jesus, believe in a historical Jesus. Oh, yeah, I know about Jesus. And they can they can repeat it. He died to save people from their sins. Have you ever confessed him as your savior and given your life to him, repented of your sins? No, I haven't. So your faith in a historical Jesus cannot save you until the 
corresponding action of repenting of your sins and confessing him as savior comes into the picture you understand me there are a lot of people you can talk to there are people you can talk to all day long about the bible about god everything and you find out later those people are not born again because their faith and understanding who jesus is cannot save them without the corresponding action the old roman road huh romans 9 10 9 and 10 if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised, you must confess. Confession is the corresponding action to your faith. That's kind of like the first corresponding action. But then there are other actions of obedience to the Spirit of God that complete your faith. And this is where Christians get into a little bit of trouble. Because there are certain things that we don't want to do and certain things that we don't want to put ourselves on the line for to see to it that God brings something into our life. And so the corresponding action to the faith must go beyond the mere confession. After you confess Christ, you've got to live for him. You've got to put sin down and you've got to pick up righteousness. It's a real simple life, but it's amazing how many people get confused about what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's bad. Huh? So there's a corresponding action of daily right living, reading your word, prayer, coming to a, <coughs> a church consistently so you can grow, so you can learn. So you can do what God wants you to do with your life. There's a a picking up, a laying down of your life and picking up your cross and following him. So all of these are corresponding actions that come after your confession of Christ. That we as believers must follow through on. After that, there's a work of the ministry that must be done by all believers. It really blessed me. I went to Pennsylvania to minister, and I usually don't go anywhere during empowerment meeting weekend. But I pray about everything. And when I prayed, God told me to go because he had told the lady to ask me to come. you got to be careful about this going and ripping and running. And, you know, people, where are you at? Well, I saw you on so-and-so and such. He says, you got to come here. you got to come you know what I'm talking about. You really got to pray about things. But but <clears throat> it blessed me because we've you know we've had here at Healing School Miracle Services for years. And I always give the altar call if you want to receive the impartation for praying for the sick. Healing and letting God use you to heal the sick. You know, come forward. I have never seen so many hands, pairs of hands stuck out. They were pushing each other out of the way. To receive the impartation. And it blessed me because the Lord had told us at the beginning of the year that this was the year of the believer. Where believers would be imparted to and released to go do the work of the ministry. So that when you see your baby sick, you don't have to moan and cry and wonder if you could got the money to take them to emergency room. And if you could take care of that. When you're sick, you can lay hands on yourself and take care of that. That's what Jesus died and paid for us to have. And so it blessed me because I said, and God, you let me live to see it. That was one of the first things that, because we've seen it 
for years in a vision and, and in the spirit and God's word telling us that it would happen. I can remember Sandy Brown used to preach about it when we first understood her preaching and she saw visions of believers moving in the power of God and, and, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's a blessing to see those things because there are corresponding actions to your faith. If you say you believe Jesus is a healer, get up and go lay hands on somebody. Huh? These things must be done if our faith, if there's a corresponding action to your faith. It can't just stop with you hearing it and saying you believe it. That's the truth. Without works, faith is dead. Well, I'll let James tell you. If y'all don't want me to tell you, I'll let him tell you. He says, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food. Now, they don't have anything in their house to eat today. And one of you say to him, um, oh, just go in peace, be warm, be filled. Huh? People say be healed. Be blessed. Huh? And, you know, it's just something to say. You know, Christians, we're, we're, we're a masters at making stuff up. I always say there's there's three types of believers. There's believers, unbelievers, and make believers. You got me? And we got all kinds of them in the church. Believers we need more of because the make believers is crowding everybody out. But if you say depart in peace, be warmed and filled, and you don't give them anything that, that's needful for the body, what does it profit them? Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. Your faith needs a helper. Your faith needs you to do something to help it. So that it can bring into your life what you say you want God to bless you with. Well, I'm just waiting on God. No, he's waiting on you to do something with your dead faith. You can tell your faith is dead because sometimes you've been praying for something for a long time and you get to the point where you say, I don't even want that no more. What's taking God so long? That's you. Ain't done no corresponding action to bring your faith alive. You're fighting your own dead faith and your own dead self and then blaming God for the deadness of your faith. When all you got to do is obey the Holy Spirit. I don't care how long it takes me to get some. As long as I'm obeying God every day, you know I'm happy. I don't miss stuff. I know when it comes here, it's going to be more bills to take care of it. Everything that you get, honey, has maintenance issues with it. Huh? You got to have it insured. You got to have it licensed. You got to have it, you got to pay the taxes on it. So I just as soon be happy expecting God to bring it any day and living by faith. Corresponding actions are always obedience to the word of God. So he says in verse 18, he said, yes, a man may say that he has faith. He says, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Faith without works will be an empty hand. Faith with works will be full. 
there's evidence that you believe God when you believe God. You can't just say you believe in God for something. We used to do this at the healing line. Well, I'm believing God for my healing. Well, what are you doing every day? What works are you doing? Hmm? Watching TV, right? Ain't in the word. Ain't confessing those scriptures. At least you can keep it in front of your eyes and say that, you know, you roll your eyeballs on the card. It works. See my eyeballs working, rolling over the words on the card. That's something. The Bible tells you to keep it in front of your eyes. Better than keeping Oprah up there. Huh? And Elana fixed my life. Huh? She ain't fixing nothing. I mean, you know, now granted, the lady got skills. The people she working with, I don't, I don't envy her none. You understand what I'm saying? Because I'm hoping they don't come up and ask me for nothing. Some of these people. You know, I mean, there's like, uh, you know, she had some girl on there. This girl was talking to this guy. You can tell she's a pretty woman. And she, she asked Iliana to fix her life so she can get on TV. Because she kept looking dead in the camera. She didn't care what they said about her on there. But she and this, this man have a baby together. And he don't know where she lives. He said, I want to see the baby. He said, but I don't know where to go pick the baby up. That's what I said. See, all y'all speechless. Your mouth all dry carried on. That's why I'm saying the lady got skills. Do you even want to put up with that? Have something to say? Help try to help that? You can't help that. See, there's nothing there to help. There's no relationship. You'd have more respect for her if she just went and bought some sperm somewhere. Can I say sperm in the church? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what the lesbians do. I mean, we're in a confused world, folks. I'm just telling y'all. And see, you, these are your neighbors. These are your coworkers. These are your... Huh? Remember Megan, my coworker? You see her like a hundred times? Them y'all folks. Huh? It might too. I don't want. I don't want to just dump them on you. But what do you do with something like? There's no relationship there. And so there's many, many things as believers that we have to confront, and and issues that you have to face in this world, a very, very sinful world, that takes the faith of God. There's an action in God that's going to help people. But we have to stay with faith. We have to work our faith and have uh, works to complete our faith and works to show that we believe God. Because without faith and works with it, it's impossible to please him, folks. It's not just believing his word and say you believe his word. But you've got to get up and do what the word says to do. So he says, I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God, you do well. But devils believe also. But they got works to prove they believe God. They tremble when you mention his name. We don't even have that much respect for our faith in God. Oh, I believe God for so and don't have no kind of fear of God in you whatsoever. And he says this, but will you obey man? Well, you know that faith without works is dead. Was not Abraham our father justified 
by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works and by works faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. His faith was not completed and considered to be righteousness until he got up and moved on it. Just sitting down believing is not Bible faith. I'm here to tell you. There is a corresponding action to your faith that lets God know you believe him. You're trying to please God with your faith. You have to get up and do something with it. And so that scripture was fulfilled. He says, you see then how that by works a man is justified, not by faith only, not by believing only. He says, likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and sent them out another way. So that was added to her righteousness account because she she fulfilled on what she said she was believing them for. When the spies came to her, she agreed to hide them and help them. And they in turn came back and rescued her and her family. Suppose she had not hidden them. Her faith would have been dead. She'd have been dead too. And so we have to understand that there's always a corresponding action to our faith that allows that faith to be completed so that it can please God. Now faith in word only winds up being an argument. It's what's considered to be mental assent. Your mind is going to bug you until you get up and do something with the word of God. And we've all been there. Well, you know, I would like to, uh, I'll give you a, a famous example. You want a new car. And you know you don't have new car money. Praise the Lord. Huh? So what do we do as believers? We start lying to ourselves. Uh-huh. Lying confessions. I believe I receive. Therefore I have. Oh yeah, I know what I'll do. They say you gotta write the vision down and make it plain. So you go cut, cut that picture out that escalade. Huh? Put that up on the refrigerator and make it plain. You know we go to the refrigerator more than we go anywhere in the house. So you know you're going to see that all the time. You see it in my escalator. Huh? I believe I receive it. Therefore I have it. And you go to cleaning out the garage. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Huh? That little beat up Honda you've been driving, you know. Them things sound like tin cans. I mean, I don't have nothing against nobody. Hi, sweetie. You want to give me something? All right. Go over there with Gigi, okay? All right. That's good. So we put our little picture up there. We started making room in the, you know, we think that's going to convince somebody to do something for us see we all know the ritual religious stuff to do huh but has has god really spoken to your heart 
and get remember brother Hagen with the rhema word he built a, a ministry on rhema it was a, a word God spoke to your heart it wasn't something you heard in a sermon somewhere and you get around the saints and you listen to how they talk and you pick up their little jargon too so you can sound like see that's the new religious spirit when we were in the churches, where you remember the church you went to and y'all wasn't saved and didn't want to get saved. And when they talked something serious, you felt real bad and you didn't come back for about a couple of months. Well, in those churches, if you were religious, what? how did you show you were a part of the crowd? Huh? You could sing the songs without reading the words out of the hymnal. Huh? You knew you were a part of the crowd when you knew the words to all the songs that they sang over and over and over again. So that was religious acceptance back in the day. Nowadays, it's the confession. It's taken the place of the familiar hymn, and now you can sing it without, you know, sometimes people check it a little bit and look at the book way down low and stuff like that. But then you got to the point where you knew them all, and you were in the club. In every generation, there's a Christian club to belong to. And ours is the generation of the confession. Not the faith confession. This is more like your parrot would say. I believe I receive. Ah. I love the Lord. Ah. Praise the Lord. He's worthy. We suck, but he's worthy. Huh? It's true. We're liars, but he's worthy. It's the truth. That does not please God. We might as well stop. I mean, it's better than cussing, but it's almost the same thing. Because we're damning ourselves with our own confession. Because we think we're fooling somebody. And trying to fool ourselves into thinking that's real Bible faith. And it's dead because there's, it's never got in your heart. It never got grafted in. You never meditated on that word to make it real to you. You never dealt with God over that so that God could tell you, yeah, I got that escalate for you. See, most people want them until they confront paying for them. See, that's the work that's gonna, <laughs> that's the work that's gonna prove everybody. Huh? It's go sign on the line. But without that work, your faith for your escalate showing up is dead. Being alone. Faith and word only winds up being an argument. This is what's called mental assent. You just agree mentally to the word that you hear. There's no faith. There's no believing. There's not a whole lot there. It's just all mental and you're, you're, and what that does is this. Anything that's not residing in your heart. See, your heart is the place where God resides. Your heart is, is a secure place for anything. It's a secure place for the word. It's a, you know, your heart, if, if you love somebody, you allow those people into your heart, don't you? And it's hard to get them out there. To get them out of your heart. Sometimes people when they. You know how people get married. Divorced. Married. They never let people in their heart. They just you know. 
dead works. But once something resides in your heart, that's a place where righteousness resides. That's a place where God resides. That's a secret place. And once people get involved in your heart, it's hard to remove them out of there. See, they'd have to do something real, real wrong. And then you still have love for them. Now, we all been there. You know, you some kids, you, you see children who have parents that ain't worth two nickels rubbed together and they still love them. They'll still believe them. And my daddy's coming over to, to take me. So, you know, you understand what I'm saying? It's hard once something's in your heart. It's the same thing with the word of God. I remember when I was first saved, every other week I thought I'd lost my salvation. I kept looking in the Bible. What's the unpardonable sin? Did I do that? You all been there. I mean, those of you who are really saved. Now, if you ain't saved, we can take care of that. You know what I'm saying? Just call, come see me after service. We get to pray to prayer. You, you know what I'm saying. But, but you know how it is. Now, when you first got saved, every other day the devil was telling you you wasn't saved. Look at what you did. You, oh, but what did you do? <laughs> Don't look at me like. <laughs> uh, I went to Denny's. No, you didn't. <laughs> what did you do? You did whatever. You fought to hold on to it, didn't you? You refuted that stupid argument. And you said, you know what? I am saved. Because the Bible says if I confess and I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and I'm saved. And so that somehow, that question got settled forever in your heart. It's the same thing with everything we else we believe God for. It's got to be settled. See, saved people go to church. You kept going to church. You started doing works to prove that you believed. And once those works started to be complete, you had no, no question anymore. You believe in heaven, you ain't never seen it. Huh? But you know you're going there. And people cannot talk you out of that. So when that rhema came into your heart about accepting Jesus as your Savior, and you did the obedience, you did the corresponding action, confessing with your mouth, then you had to do other actions to follow up on that. To prove your salvation and prove that you were saved. But eventually it got settled. And that's what we have to do with everything, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It has to enter into your heart where it's holy and sanctified and not easily yanked out. But if you don't do the effort to really believe it, to get it settled, and you keep doing this thing in your mind, maybe yes, maybe the, yeah, maybe, 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 the argument. The Bible says we're to cast those arguments down. You're not supposed to continue arguing with yourself over certain things. Certain things that God's promised you. I remember the day I finally quit arguing with my head about my husband's salvation. And for I wanted to believe that God was going to save him. But you know, the day that you really make up your mind, I really believe it. I'm not going to question you anymore, God. I'm not going to bug you about this anymore. And you know that rascal will come home and do something totally wicked. <laughs> like ask me for dinner. <laughs> oh, it's a joke. Wake up. <laughs> you know how that goes. You want to believe. 
But what are you doing? You say you want to believe God's word. But where you got your focus, your attention and your eyeballs in the natural. You will never believe God's word looking in the natural. And that is the downfall of most believers. They refuse to sanctify. You know when you sanctify something, you pull it into the holy place and don't let it get out where you argue about it over and over in your mind anymore. You leave it in there. Same thing with the word of healing. If you've got symptoms in your body or you've been to the doctor and they've given you a diagnosis. And you read the word of God that says that you're healed by Jesus stripes. Well, he took stripes before the foundation of the world, really. And, but there's evidence that those stripes were administered 2,000 years ago when he walked the earth. So it happened already. And so if you believe something has happened already, you take possession of it in the now. So you say, I am healed. And so your mind starts fighting you over that. Well, look at you. Huh? Your blood pressure's still high. You still got symptoms. You know that runs in your family. Huh? You know granny had and ain't he had and you ain't no better than they are. Oh, but there is one who dwells in me who is better than they are. See, and I'm not resting on me and what I do or anything like that. Amen. And so we all know how to wage that warfare over hiding the word in our heart and holding it in our heart. It has to do with what you focus your attention on. If you, the Bible, that's why Proverbs 4 tells you, my son, attend to my word. Pay attention to what I tell you. That word is whooping your, spanking your butt just like your parents used to do. Now listen, don't come here telling me what they do down the street in the, in the, uh, who was them people down there? The, yeah, the Hunt's house and them rough people on your street on Alder. Who was them people? They're the Coopers. Don't tell me what they do down at the Coopers house. You listen to what I tell you to do. Them Cooper kids, they ain't no good. They ain't going nowhere. They don't halfway go to school and you ain't going to be just like them. You listen to my word. That's what God's telling us to do. Son, attend to my word. Incline your ear to my things. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Quit looking at what everybody else is doing. And what everybody else say they got. Most most average people ain't got nothing any more than you do. If they got something, they got notes, and they got sweat, and they got trouble and, and worry and fear. Your little tore-up heart, Honda's paid for. Or you go to sleep at night. Huh? <laughs> You're not worried about anything. I was talking to somebody yesterday. I think they finally, you know how sometimes you could just sense people aren't really believing God for something. And they said it was God. Wanted it to be God. And uh, had some, bought a, a bike, motorcycle. They had some trouble with it. And quit working. Well, the motorcycle's done for. I, I just decided it's not worth getting fixed. Well, it can't be fixed. But yet he owes $5,000 on it. And see, you want people to know up front 
when they're really believing and when they're not. Because if you're in the spirit, you can tell faith. Faith has a force to it. It has a substance to it. It has a power to it. It knocks you over when people say it almost. And there was no faith on that. He's just trying to go out and get it before God realizes he didn't sign on the dotted line. Don't laugh. We all do it. Huh? (laughs) We all want God to co-sign everything. And no, he's not going to do it. But see, enough times of getting stuck with paying for something that doesn't work anymore should teach you. But you know what? I'd rather have the Holy Spirit teach me how to obey God up front and save myself a lot of trouble. Huh? On the back end. Because that's where you have to pay for everything. You see? After the whole deal is over, did God tell you to do it? We're going to all know. Huh? People, we go around bragging to each other. God told me. You know how we do. Or you get a prophecy in front of a bunch of people and you sitting sitting in the audience feeling like this big. And then you get the prophecy and you're like boom, 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 boom. And you know everybody heard it. Huh? Get yourself in more trouble. Taking the word, you take the word out of the secret protected place and you start projecting it out. You can get an accurate word from God and tell the wrong person and regret you opened your mouth. I remember being in a, a, a line when I was young in the ministry and I was working in a women's ministry because that's where God told me to be. And I learned a lot there. was trained. You know, I learned how to, to evaluate things based on God told me to come here and I'm going to get what he told me you know i'm gonna look for god to give me something in these situations and that's not to say that you didn't have difficult situations sometimes and some things happened that weren't god and i remember being in line and and getting a prophecy and there was another woman that got a prophecy as well or something i don't know but anyway later on i said i was excited i said oh he he told me that i'm gonna teach and she said oh you just got the overflow off my prophecy Like I'm a stepchild or something. But you know what? That taught me something. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes lessons may hurt your feelings, but you got to learn from them. And you know what God told me? He said, you are not to release anything to anybody without my permission to tell somebody something. He said, what goes on in Vegas? And he told me this. He said, no, he said, and it's like this. He said, just like you wouldn't go and tell anybody what goes on in your bedroom between you and your husband. I have to spank myself. Oh, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. But you know what I'm saying. It's an intimate thing between you and God. It's a secret place of the most high God. It's a place. It's a hiding in your heart. If God wanted everybody to know, he blasted. He put it in your heart because it's something personal between yeah, you and him. Yeah, 
You can release some things to people. Some things you tell them will bless them and will help them. But I had to learn not to get excited in the flesh about what God was doing in the secret place. What goes on in the secret place must stay in the secret place. Here, you want a drink? Go to your mama. See ya. And so we have to understand that these things are shared by unction. Just like the corresponding action must have an unction with it so that we can complete our faith. So I'm going to read you a few things, some notes that I put down so I'll make sure I give you everything God told me to give you. It says there is something the Holy Spirit is prompting us to do when we believe. And this cycle must be completed if we're going to receive what God has for us. The enemy brings fear in at any time to interrupt the cycle. Hmm? So if God tells you, you know, in your heart that he's going to give you a new car, what kind of car you get really is up to you, according to your faith. You got Escalade faith? Go for it. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't have Escalade faith and try to jam that bad boy in your See, when you get the insurance increase, you're going to faint. You understand what I'm saying? So come on, y'all. Let's do this normal. If you want to eat on a regular basis, you've got to. See, when everything we, we receive, whether we get it from God or. See, let me tell you what people think. They think when God gives it to you. You know, we say, oh, the blessings of the Lord, they make it rich. And he addeth no sorrow. Huh? The blessing of the Lord, they make it rich. I mean, you can sing it in the King James, you can sing it. But then we, you know, it's kind of like that old song. What is that? It's, I don't know if it's a song we should be saying in church. You know, like it's raining. It's raining, man. Hallelujah. You know that song. That kind of, uh, well, y'all know what I'm talking about. Now, don't tell me you ain't heard it. That's the gay national anthem. I know y'all have heard that. I preached yesterday, I preached the day before. <laughs> but that's the first thing that comes to our mind when we say, Ooh, he make it rich and have no Ooh, it's raining, escalates, hallelujah. You know, we're ready to go off and receive something. Ain't thought about note, ain't thought about credit, ain't thought about payment, ain't thought about insurance. You know, when I bought my first car, don't tell me what year it was. Y'all make me sick trying to add up on me. You can't add me up. I'm eternal. <laughs> but everybody paid 36 months and it was yours. Nowadays, I done sent some 10-year notes. Oh, yeah. They got them. Oh, yeah. You pay for that thing twice. Huh? See, it's really the cost of a small house. Seventy, eighty thousand dollars. You can, you, you might as well move into it. If it ain't big enough to sleep in, don't buy it. Cause you wish you had bought a house. You know, some people buy a car before they buy property. 
<laughs> they can wash a car with a hose and rub it. A house, you got to put some plumbing in. You got to do some yard work. And easier on the maintenance. All right. So this cycle must be completed. The enemy brings fear in at any time to interrupt the cycle. Stepping out in faith is what we call it. It's the hardest part. Completing that corresponding action. You know why we hesitate? Not just so much the fear is there because we we some of us just, you know, live with fear and know it's going to come and that kind of stuff. But when you step out in faith, it actually becomes an act of warfare. And it's on after that. You understand what I'm saying? So and we all know that we say, you mean to tell me I can just go out there and and put an application in for this automobile and I'll get it. See, we hesitate and fear is there because we know that the warfare is getting ready to start. And what's the warfare? They might say no. They might really run a credit check on me. Or my baby's name at this address. With the cell phone bills and the water bills and the old telephone bills and my kids, my six-year-old kid's name. Fear produces double-mindedness. And see, the argument in your brain starts. Well, did God really, really tell? Maybe he didn't say I could do it. So the first warfare you got to conquer is in your head. Huh? Where it goes boom, 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 like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He said yes, he said no, he said yes, he said no, he said yes, he said no. That argument's got to be settled. Because you know once you start, step out, then you could really get your feelings hurt. See, when it's only warfare in your, in your soul to believe what's in your heart, that's a private warfare. Nobody knows it but you and God what you're going through. But once you step out to do that act for real and get the the environment you live in involved in it, then it takes on a whole different. Somebody, you go to a car purchase agency, a car dealership, and some some joker that's just smoked a joint with holes in the bottom of his shoes makes you feel like that big because he tells you no. You got me? That no is what we're afraid of. Well, if God already said yes, what can man's no do? See? And so many times before we step out, we have this great big argument on the inside of us. And that's when you come up to the altar about 15 times for the same prayer request. Princess Shirley, would you pray for me now? I'm going to this interview, and I know it's my job. What you doing here? Well, (laughs) let me go back and think. You understand what I'm saying? If you know that's your job, what am I going to do? I can't go for you, and I ain't going to work in your place either. You're going to have to go to that job yourself. Now, I'll receive any offering you want to give as a result of your harvest. But you must go and face the man yourself every day. 
and quit coming up here dancing around trying to act like you believe in something. Huh? When you're scared. The only way to get rid of that fear is you got to get it settled. You got to quit letting that devil answer you back in your mind. I tell people if you if you win it in your soul and you you let your heart stay strong in it, you can step out and do anything. That's the faith that's going to break that thing through. Now there are times when you can go out with your little you know your little 10 cents worth of faith. And get slapped around a little bit and parlay that in the 15 cent and then go back when it's 25 and go back when it's a dollar and hope George Washington does it for you. You understand what I'm saying? There are lots of ways to get through, get that breakthrough with your faith. But you must step into the arena of warfare. You've got to step over that line into the natural realm and do that corresponding action that proves to God that you believe him. That's what the corresponding action is for. It shows God your faith. When people came to Jesus, it said, and when he saw their faith, he knows if it's there or not. You can't fool him. If it's not there, you're going to go back limping. You walked up, but you lived back, didn't you? Huh? Devil rough you up real bad and send you right back home. And you say, well, God, I thought you said. He said, I did say. I told you you could have it. But do you really believe me? How many times did the prophet's servant go back? Huh? And prophet said, uh, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Servants, you know, people when they when you work around prophets, you she go again. She you know, the faith for that word is hitting you, and you trying to duck it because it don't seem right. I guess I going on out here. You just humor her. She getting old, you know. She don't get them words like she used to, you know. She trying it though. I'm gonna walk on out here just to servant came back i don't see it go back again hmm? he told you it was there go back again what do we do when we look for things hmm? most of us are looking with our minds what's in your mind when you go there if you got doubt and unbelief in your mind you ain't gonna see nothing god told you was there i got news for you it won't be there for you Took seven times for that knucklehead servant to finally get in faith. Because he saw the prophet was going to wear him out. He said, well, I guess I better believe him. See, about the sick number six, trip number six. And I don't know how long them trips were and how many pairs of shoes he had to wear out to get where he was going. But see, you get tired of running back empty-handed after a while. And so you may, well, I guess God must be saying I can have this. I guess I'll believe him. fear produces double-mindedness folks you just in the bible says james said don't let that person think you ain't gonna get nothing from god one day you want it one day you don't it's like moving out of town every other day god don't know where to send your blessing to because you asked him you asked him when you asked him you was in cleveland and now you done moved over to to uh uh 
Las Vegas, <laughs> where they don't believe nothing. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So he says, well, I need to send your package. Just stay in one place so I can send it to you. Unstable in everything we do when we're double-minded. We want the results of God, but we don't want to pay the price. There's a price of believing. We feel that the works we have to do will produce too great a risk for us to step out on them. Huh? And really, they don't cost us anything, but to step from one realm to the next will cost you everything. See, that's why you feel like there's a danger or a threat to you if you step out and trust God. And nobody knows but you and God you're going to go out and do something, but you feel like the whole world's watching you. That if you fail, you're going to fail and everybody's going to know it and talk about it. Huh? And if you feel this sense of great loss. And see, the, the loss to you is great because you're going to finally have to divorce your flesh from telling you you can't do things that God didn't tell you he was going to do this for you. Or if you receive the promise of God, it's going to cost you so much you're going to wish you hadn't done it. See, when God tells you he's going to do something, he takes care of all the red tape involved with it. See, if your mind is caught up in the red tape of situations, you'll never believe God. you got to win that argument in your mind about the red tape. What is red tape? Well, if I pray and ask God to send me a husband. Y'all going to sleep on me, so I'm going to have to go there. Now, first of all, let me tell you, God. So then we go down our list of don'ts. That's why you got an invisible man now. Because, see, if you marry somebody with skin on just like you, you're going to have to get over the don'ts of every situation that you're thinking about. Well, I don't want nobody now who's going to come home and want me to do this, 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 and this. Huh? They, uh, that's cheap, baby, compared to what real life is. Huh? They want this, 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 and this over here too. You got me? And God will make you do it for them. Very weak hand clap. But where'd that little baby go with my drink? She really took my drink, didn't she? Huh? See, God will take care of the red tape. See, that's why this fake's worth works by love. See, you've got to have love in your heart to get anything from God. And you've got to love God enough to endure whatever it takes to live with that promise every day. Ooh, I didn't get much on that. Well, that's okay, because that's, that's really what it is. And most of us are wanting things, but we love ourselves more. Huh? Thank you. The Bible says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the Word, and they love not their lives unto the death. And marriage will kill you. <laughs> and raise you up again. I thought I was dead, but I've been raised up again. Huh? 
we need to look at the works, the corresponding actions of faith as fulfilling the word and fulfilling the promise instead of risking. When you obey God, there's no risk to you. Jesus took all the, the heat and all the pressure for you. He took that off of the program. Not going to hurt you to believe God for a, a, <laughs> a brother to <laughs> come in there and put his little gnarly toes up on the coffee table. and <laughs> No, you sit up there and look at It's my best table. <laughs> you know, you have your little convulsion. and It's just a prop to him. He's going to put them gnarlies up on something. You might as well start. Let's get the coffee table off the altar. You understand what I'm saying? Let the brother have a coffee table. We ain't worshiping at the coffee table no more. See, relationships bring a lot of stuff down to size. I know people say, God promised me a big ministry. Well, you better start loving people. And you better start serving people. And you got to stop being too busy for this and too anointed for that. The, anoint, the anointing works best around people anyway. I never told too many people got anointed and couldn't touch nobody. Huh? Faith is completed by our works. It's, come, it's incomplete without them. Faith makes the works work. Faith is what makes the works produce the results of God. These are holy works Wrought by God. It's just like God's inside of you doing these things. So there's no risk to you. All you got to do is be cool, stay out of his way, and go along for the ride. And don't argue with him. Well, God, you know, I would want my husband back. Well, he never should have been gone to begin with. Don't choke. You'll be all right. <laughs> we ain't doing no CPR here, okay? This ain't healing school. Huh? <laughs> See, what happens is this, especially with Christian women. When he's home, you're desperate to keep him there. When he leaves, you think, it didn't kill me after all. I thought I'd die, but I'm still here. What else can I do that I couldn't do before? And then God pulls you in your heart. Your heart still longs for them. Now, it does. But then there's a side of God. There's a mercy side of God where if you believe God to be your husband, there is grace so that you're not in pain. You're not longing. You're not going crazy. You're not. Because hmm? Jesus bore that for you. Huh? And you look up one day and you say, man, that rascal been gone for. Do I want him back? Huh? These are real issues, folks. Then you go to want to bargain with God. Well, if he comes back, Lord. I, I saw him recently and he's put on some weight. I want you to get him in the gym before you send him back here. I've got a membership now and I can't have anybody holding me back. No. 
or, or a, well, I'm a minister now. And if he's not going to serve you, he's going to hold me back. Well, see, that's not true because I was a minister and had to believe my husband, my unsaved husband. Huh? And I couldn't lose him. It's a joke. You can laugh. You know what I'm saying? Really, I didn't want to lose him. I wanted my marriage. I love my husband. I wanted my marriage to work. So I had to fight a kind of warfare that uh, that had to keep me in a place of submission when I felt like somebody wasn't worth submitting to, if I can say that. See, your religious mind will say, well, they ain't saved. They don't read the Bible. They don't go to church. They don't do this. They don't do that. Listen, Nola, go and tell the men to come back in here, okay, please. They don't do this. They don't. They running from the word. Say, bring come back on in here. Jesus name. <laughs> See, that's the beauty of having everything in one little area. I'm going to open that door in a minute and preach out there. But you know what I'm saying. You, these are warfare things. You have, to, you have to make your mind quit fighting you on the what ifs. What if he comes in here and he's like my daddy or my uncle or somebody else I know or some ex-boyfriend or some ex-something. You know, you can't tell God how to bring people into your life. You have to accept people by faith. You have to do everything by faith. And you have to recognize that this is the will of God for you. And you have to do the corresponding action that is required to complete your faith. Sometimes all you got to do is embrace people and love them and they change overnight. But see, what we do sometimes is we keep everything at arm's length until it measures up to our visual. Huh? You know, I wanted a man with a six-pack too, but mine had a keg. But I loved on that keg. You understand what I'm saying? I wasn't perfect either. So I loved on what I, you know what I'm saying? You love, you love the one you're with. You understand me? And you're not so perfect yourself, so you might as well stay with them. Can I say that over here with married people? Oops. Let me go over this. <laughs> huh? And believe God to change you, not them. We're the ones that need changing. Oh, hypocrites. Going to church and hallelujah and praying for everybody all the time. Then get home and roll your eyes. Got to go home. Huh? You know, I I used to get called, you know, the old ball and chain. You know, I mean, people say what they say. It was said in an endearing way, you know. It's just a joke. But, you know, and that was, I didn't take it, you know, I wasn't offended. When my husband would say, well, I'd say little, you know, I said, oh, tight husband. Right, right. Tighter than Dick's hat band. That's what, remember, babe, we may used to say that my mother, <laughs> Jeremiah's grandmother, tighter than Dick's hat band. <laughs> got them dollars in his fish. You got to pry them old cold, dead fingers up, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'd say all that stuff. But then after God saved him, 
and worked on me. Huh? Our conversation about each other changed. He would tell people, he said, my wife, he, he said, you, you know, he said, I, I love my wife. She does this. She does that. He'd tell people's wife preach. And I used to think he'd try to hide that from people. You know, but, but he was happy. He under, you know why? Because love covers the multitude of sins. Love, love takes care of that. And this faith that we have works by love. You get the animosity, you get to the carnality out of your thinking about people, and you quit letting the devil put ideas in your head about people. Huh? And you start t- treating people with the same respect you'd like to be treated with. It's so simple. So simple. And you'll see the corresponding action gets easier. You can go over to that old rascal with his gnarly, you know. And bless him. He may not. You might be a stranger and he hasn't sent you a Mother's Day card in years. But you always send him a Father's Day card. See, that's the corresponding action of your faith. Huh? That's the corresponding action of your faith. Many times we give people permission to, to be disobedient to God by the distance at which we hold them from us. See, if you're pushing somebody away all the, all the time. Because you think they don't measure up. They got to have this right, that right, and that right. They wasn't all right like that when, you, when they left and they never should have been gone. So you should be willing to take them back the same condition they were when they left. See, until you can do that and trust God through Well, he was on drugs and he was on this. and he, Well, you on the Holy Ghost. So let me try and figure out who's the most powerful. Huh? Because a greater one lives in us. I remember I, when I was a, a young girl. How much time I got, little Howard? I don't want to go to all these. Huh? Oh, good. Uh, these, I don't want to go to these young girl stories. <laughs> That's so long ago. I was like, but uh, people had all kind of crazy superstitions. And, uh, you know, if young girls, when anybody ever hear the one when you wash dishes, if you get the front of your dress wet, you're going to marry an alcoholic. You know, your husband was going to drink. You get the front of your dress wet. I still get the front of my dress wet. <laughs> Bring them all. You know what I'm saying? And sober up real quick. <laughs> you get finished rattling this word off to him, laying hands. Come out, you hellion. Come out of there. Let go of my husband. You know, he'd have a hard time staying drunk. All I got to say. But anyway, my husband that I eventually married drank and he smoked dope. The drinking he let go of because he just didn't, it interfered with his his job. He liked to go to work sober. Some people don't bother him, but he, he said, I'm going to quit this drinking. And he quit. And I remember the the marijuana hanging on for a long time. And I would get concerned about it. But then God would say, if I saved him, I can save him to the uttermost. And I remember the, the company he worked for went out of business. And he was on unemployment for a year. And before he would, had to go, he had to go. And for a job interview. And for that whole year, he didn't get any interviews. And, and I realized his mom was sick during that time and passed away. 
the day of her funeral, he got called for a job interview. You know that in the time he went made that application to the time he went for the interview, he totally quit smoking marijuana. Period. Never touched it again. Never touched. And I watched him struggle and I would pray for him. I would watch him struggle and he would get anxious and nervous, but he totally threw it all away. You know why? I don't care what, how steep somebody is in something. When God has, when you have prayed for that person, God has that person in his care. And God will answer that promise for you. I don't care how difficult you think it is. This man smoked dope when I met him. He smoked marijuana every night. He got up and went to work the next day. Huh? And I tried with my sanctified holy self to eyeball him to death. You know how we get people to stink eye. <laughs> Mr. Christian stink eye. You know. Tried to eyeball him to death. Tried to threaten him and all that kind of stuff. I finally laid that, that weapon down. Yeah. And trust God. Trust God. Trust God. He knew he had to pass a drug test. He And instead of picking the habit back up when he passed the drug test, he found that he was delivered. See, there's a man action and there's a God action in everything. You may People may be motivated by one thing. But when God gets involved, that motivation totally changes and they can get delivered and totally set free. And so I know what God will do if you will trust him with the stuff you're not certain about. Because there are a lot of situations where that involve people and we're not certain about people. Do they love me? Are they going to love me? Are you going to love them? That's the question. When I look in my Bible, it talks to me about what God wants me to do for them, not about what they're going to give me. See, if God loves you already, you got enough love. you got enough to spread out and share with all kinds of people. Don't be concerned about your little old self. That's why many times we don't get any farther than we do. You can't make that corresponding action because you're scared what it's going to cost you. Oh, if I, if, I, if I get married and, you know, this man, he seem all right. You know, all these Christians, they like, they got the fiancé thing just like people in the world do. You stay engaged to somebody. Listen, y'all better get with the Duggars. Them girls don't stay engaged long once they get sick. Honey? You know, they do that side hug. When they start going this way, oh, it's time to put... Them people smart. They ain't stupid. Honey, Jim, Bob, and Michelle, they ain't no rookies in this, okay? They know what they done. Huh? Where was I? <laughs> so when we do our corresponding works, that faith comes alive, and it puts God on the scene in our works. You do that corresponding action. See, the problem with us, when we're on this side of corresponding action, it all looks bleak, risky. What if, what if, what if? You get over here and God comes in there with you. Over here on the doubt category, he ain't in there with you. That's why it looks bleak and risky. But once you step over into the obedience side with your faith, you do your corresponding action that God told you to do. Do what your heart is leading you to do in that situation. And quit being scared of people. Huh? We scared our shadows. 
I look at these young people now. Their biggest problem is fear. They scared each other. You know, out dating and going with each other and all this stuff and scared each other. There's no love there. Love will put you in the company of the right person. Faith will put you in the company of the right person. But once you step out and do your corresponding action, God is on the scene with you. And then he starts working through you and it's no sweat to you. But until you step out in faith and do what the the spirit of God is telling you to do, you won't know the power of God working with you. Our righteousness account grows. Righteousness account grows because of the faith we have that has appropriate works with it. That's when it's counted to you for righteousness. When you get up and do something. You know, God don't believe you believe him for nothing till you get up and do something. You won't move him. When the, 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 the uh, uh, young man that was lying on the cot. Now check this out. This guy was being carried into a healing service. And he got healed off of the people's faith that was carrying him. It said nothing about his faith. Jesus said they, they couldn't get in the door. They ripped the tiles off the roof of the place and lowered him in to that room. And they said when Jesus saw their faith, he was, that brother was riding in. Oh, he said, my buddy's taking me to the healing meeting. I guess I'm going to get some. I'm going to ride on in on it. Many times we got riding on in faith. But God honors it. Amen. When he sees it, he will honor it. Supernatural obedience will defy and is designed to defy natural understanding. It don't make sense to nobody. Your husband been gone 15, 20 years. Why are you sending him a Father's Day card? Because my faith works by love. See, y'all think I'm being made a fool of. But I'm working my faith. My faith works. I don't know what your faith works by. Because you over there by yourself, paying your own bills, going to sleep in your own bed by yourself every night and call and got to wear two blankets because you're cold. <laughs> Give some. Huh? I'm keeping my faith alive, not just for that. But I live by faith every day. I got to pay my bills by faith. I got to keep my kids alive by faith. I got to keep bread on their table by faith. That little bit of once a year Father's Day card ain't costing me nothing. I get them free out the bookstore anyway. Nobody looking. <laughs> it's time for me to quit, ain't it, little hour? <laughs> But with supernatural obedience defies and is designed to defy natural understanding. You know why? Because the devil can can predict your goings on by what he's doing in the natural. He said, oh, I know if I have him do this, she's going to drop him like a hot potato. Hey, you know God, like he told Job, uh, <laughs> oh, just been walking back and forth seeing who I can mess with. Have you considered my servant? Ricky. Huh? Oh, yeah. Your name gets on the list. All of our names get on the list as children of God. Huh? 
And if you start looking at the natural, well, what are they going to say? It's going to look like I'm doing, it's going to look like I'm his flunky. It's going to look like I'm begging him to come back. No, you ain't begging him, but you better be begging God. Better not be too proud to beg. Ain't no shame in this game. You do whatever you need to do to get your answer. Are you kidding me? Honey, we have, in the past, we have done more and received less. There's women out here paying men's bills and, you know, buying them cars. And, and let me just say this while I'm saying it. I'm going to be through in a minute. Don't buy no grown man. No Nintendo. Now, please, women, don't do that. You want to marry a man, you're making him a boy buying him them games and all that kind of crazy. Mama, he wants a Nintendo. You better tell him to go grow up. Go go to work and put that thing down. I don't care if y'all don't like me for it. You don't aid and abet the child in a man. And you quit coughing over there. Because the stuff we got planned for him is going to take <laughs> You're going to have to be well grown to do all. Huh? Huh? But all faith has a corresponding action. The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was counted him for righteousness. What did he do? First time he met God, God said, get up and leave your family and go. Where am I going, God? I ain't telling you yet. Just get up and move. I can't bless you where you are. That's what we all get. You got saved. You had to leave your friends. I hope you left them. You understand what I'm saying? You you just go. Some of them you have to get away from. Some of them just disappear. But if you're in a kingdom, a new kingdom, you have a new location. Everything's different. All things have passed away. Our problem is we try to hold on to that which is not existent anymore. You holding on to a ghost. Trying to find the people you used to kick it with, you're holding on to a ghost. Trying to still get some pleasure out of sin, you're holding on to a ghost. Huh? Everything's passed away. That stuff is dead to you. You understand me? It's dead to you. So Abraham got up and left. And when he left, the Bible says it was accounted to him as right. He believed God. It tells you the whole story what he did. When he had to offer up his son Isaac, he had the knife over that boy's body. That's when it was righteousness. That's when he believed God. He wasn't believing God when he was going up to the hill. He wasn't believing God when he was tying him down. It was when he put the knife up that God said, wait a minute. You impressed me, Abraham. I'll do it for you. I'll take his place. I'll give you a ram in his place. You understand me? See, there's a, a faith that we have to, there's an edge that we have to get to in faith. Where we feel like we're risking everything. I don't know what it is for you, but I know what it is for me. Some of you are risking everything because you're, you're, you're stuck because you don't want to believe God for a godly spouse. But you're going to risk everything. You're going to have to get to the point where it's a hope against hope. Huh? Because that's where faith will push you to. It will push you to that level where you feel like all is lost if you don't do this. 
And when you get to that point, then God will answer. He will give you what you, but you got to get to that point. There may be many steps between here and that point in your life. You may have to go some distance. You may have to, to uh, believe God for some things. You'll have to form some friendships with, with somebody of the opposite sex and, and just know that's not the right person and you thought it was and you just have to walk away from that. Do you understand what I'm saying? And just continue to believe God. God, I'm getting older. God, I'm here. God, I'm here. God, 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 God. Well, he's taking you to the brink like he did Abraham. You have to get to a hope against hope situation to impress God. Are you kidding me? This ain't cheap, baby. This faith costs Jesus everything. Imagine being the king of glory and people spitting on you, sticking you with knives, poking you, making fun of you, slapping you. Telling you, prophesy. Who did that? Do you understand me? It costs him everything. And see, we want to keep our pride and we want to keep our so-called dignity. And we want you getting stripped, honey. Before Escalade gets here, before Bro Man gets here, you know, before the sister swishes on into your life, it's gonna cost you everything. Cost you everything. See, we can't extract a high price from him and be cheap ourselves. Huh? The corresponding action to your faith is going to be a risky move for you. And you'll know once you get into the, you'll know when you stepped into real faith because it's on then. The devil will keep you up night and day, tormenting you, telling you you made the wrong move. You better not do that. God's not in it. Huh? It's amazing people who do marry the wrong person, the devil never gives them any trouble about it. Just an aside. But God will make it right. You go to God with that. And you go to God at any time he'll make. Listen, don't get scared about making a commitment. God can work with people. He works with people all the time. A lot of people don't know if they married the right one or the wrong one. Just be right yourself. All right, stand to your feet. We're going to pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for blessing us to know that there is a corresponding action to your faith without which it is dead. It is D-O-A at the altar until we cross over that line of obedience and do what you have commissioned us in our hearts. We know in our hearts what we need to do to step over that line. Some of us need to put the word in our hearts. Some of you are waiting on God to do something. You don't have enough word in you to make it real. It's not real enough to you. It's really on the level of an idea or a fantasy. And God wants you to change that. Don't be scared to read in the word what your life would be like if God did this thing in your life. Some of us are nervous about expecting more from God. God wants to do more for us. Some of us are reluctant because we know that it's going to cost us something. Our lives will have to change. Some of us in a great way, some in a small way. But God is the changer. He's the agent of change. Don't worry about changes that you won't have to make them anyway. God's going to make them in you. 
he knows how to accommodate your situation. So, Father, we thank you that you brought these things to our understanding. And, Father, we ask your help in these situations where we know we must do more to make our faith active, alive. And you can give us the next step, the corresponding action that makes our faith righteousness And we can expect with a good expectation what you're going to do for us. We thank you for blessing us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on.